This is a new podcast series called Clarity Generates Confidence. Welcome to this next episode of Clarity Generates Confidence. We're here in season two, but going forward in 2021, and those of you who have been listening know that my feeling is that the world will not go back. It, is, it has changed. The guests we're having this year, this season, are all about looking forward. And today I'm delighted to have with me uh, Rob Marr from Ireland. He's originally from the UK. And I know we don't have any visuals on this podcast, but for those of you who ever watched The Late Late Show with James Gordon, Rob Marr reminds me very much of him. A slimmer version of him, by the way, because he didn't want me to say that, but I'm delighted. Rob, thanks for joining us today. Uh, good to be here. Thanks for having me on, Gary. Well, Rob, you and I know each other through Strategic Coach, as a lot of my guests have been. It hasn't been that long um, in this year, your first year coming into it. But you, you really you really impressed me by your commitment to come into the program. And I, I wouldn't mind asking you a little bit about that because you took it on, recognizing that you were in the UK, I would have to come to Toronto, but then we've done them all virtually. So what, what was driving you to want to want to do this and and work on your own on your own game, so to speak? I think I felt that I brought the business as far as I could bring it on my own. And I I found out why that's the case since joining um, Strategic Coach. But I think I definitely plateaued. And I tried and tried and tried lots of different things in a very ad hoc kind of way. And I knew I had to make a significant change and an an investment towards the future, towards my own performance, if I was actually going to make some some significant inroads to what I really wanted. and I guess kind of, you know, I think it's like when the when the student is ready, the coach appears. Uh, I was talking to one of my clients in North America who said, oh, you should talk to Fred Feisman. And then Fred, I got talking to Fred. I thought I was going to get a call with Fred to help him out with some sales stuff. And then he gave me an absolute masterclass in coaching in an hour. And I was, <laughs> I completely, uh, I was just gobsmacked at the end of the call, how effective he'd been. And he, he kind of, at the end of that, he'd recommended that, I look into strategic coach and at the time it was a big decision for me because I, I had some good business going on, but the money that I had to invest in coach was like, that was the last that I had in my bank account at that time. And so it really was, I, I decided I kind of have to jump at this or not jump at it. And it was time to commit to something um, and really take the business seriously. Or I had to just give up because I was just finding the, pro- the lack of progress at times was just exhausting. So it was a huge decision at the time for me financially. It was a huge decision psychologically. And I think it's, I mean, it's been a game changer. There's absolutely no question about that. It's been a game changer in terms of unlocking my potential. It's been, it's been brilliant. And then working with people like yourself, Gary, as well on the program and, and learning from the expertise you have and, and seeing how you guide us through that process has been absolutely outstanding. Thank you. I really appreciate that. You've been you've been really a joy to have. You bring a lot of energy, and and I want to I want to stay on that theme a little bit here. Is that you've done all this through the pandemic period, and and we all went down about the same time, but we're not coming back the same way. So, what are you seeing in your clients that you have, and and how's your attitude evolved over the last uh, you know twelve fourteen months? Well, I think I think when this happened, I, I was working in Canada the week before everything closed down, and. When when I came back, it was it was obvious that something was going on, but there really hadn't been much talk about it when I was in Montreal. And then when it did happen, I traded through the last recession in Ireland, which some of your listeners might remember in terms of the newspapers. We were, we were one of the, the worst affected countries in Europe in terms of our economy. And I think 
for me personally, I just instantly knew that I wasn't going to be affected in the same way that I was last time. I didn't know exactly how I was going to sort it out, but I just knew that I wasn't going to respond the same way. And I think there's, I've seen that with my clients too, that there's, there's two very different types of attitude. And I think there's two very different types of economy going on as well at the moment. I think there's the attitude of this is the greatest opportunity that we've ever been presented with, or here we go again, here's another recession, here's a complete disaster. And I think you've seen equal amounts of regression and innovation happening at the same time, which I think has been really interesting. And it's it's led me to have to completely innovate around the core core offerings of what I do. Everything's had to go online. The quality of the materials had to improve. Um, everything's had to change, actually, pretty much everything. I was a very much a face-to-face business, and that's completely gone online. I mean, I've barely left uh home in the last 18 months since all of this happened so i think it's been an extraordinary change and i think it's really to do with the attitude of the people working in organizations as to whether they're viewing it as an opportunity or a disaster to be honest and sticking with that is that the most surprising thing that you as you think back on it now has that been the most surprising change that you experienced in terms of the attitudes gary or in terms in terms of the attitude yeah and how you see I'll make a bit of a presumption, but I'll ask you to answer it. I would think the companies that are looking forward and view this as an opportunity are the ones who are most interested in working with you. I, I think that's that's possibly true. I think there's also, I think companies have taken, the, you know, they say never waste a good crisis. And I think companies have taken advantage of this situation. Like I was, I was listening to something the other day saying, you know, the corporation returns have never been as healthy as they are right now because the cost base has been lowered dramatically and sales have maintained or grown in a lot of areas. So I think maybe, yeah, there is an element of people that are wanting to work with someone that's forward thinking and progressive. They are finding those people. But I think as well, I think they probably were always kind of hardwired that way anyway. I just think for me, I think it's actually just to do with my focus and where I've been pushing myself towards that I'm more exposed to those businesses than I would have been in the past. I think in the past I would have been more reactive, whereas now I'm proactively seeking things which are a good fit for me. One thing that occurred to me while you're just speaking there is that people's costs were down, ours were down, companies' costs were down, and sales kind of maintained. I don't know how much change companies went through, like to change their suppliers, to change what they do in their business, and they kind of maintained that for the last 12 months would that be a fair assessment or might a little bit behind the times with that thought well i think i think people have have made technological changes i think they've used it as an opportunity to bring in systems which they wouldn't have had in the place if, if that's if, if i'm understanding you correctly it's i've seen an awful i have two or three clients here in ireland that do kind of uh, you know background systems where it's connecting warehouses to salespeople to you know the customers and I think that they're going through massive growth at the moment because people are taking the opportunity of the furlough, of the cost reduction in staff to to bring in the systems that they were umming and ahhing about two years ago. And now they've got a perfect opportunity to make those businesses more up to date, more modern, more technologically savvy. And I think they're seeing new ways of working as well, which I think is interesting. They're, they're seeing that actually they can trust their people. I think what the, the, the biggest issue is going to be is a chronic underinvestment in people. That's my opinion. I don't think it's the fact that they haven't been quite lean and pivoted effectively, many of these companies. I think there's going to be a long tail at the end of this where people feel disenfranchised from their businesses. And the ones that engage in learning, development, support for people, providing a dynamic way to work, both in the office and at home, 
the ones that do that well are going to be the ones that win, I think. I think it's going to be rather than I think the technological change has happened, but now it's going to be a people change about how we lean into our staff, how we lean into our colleagues and get the most out of people. That's what I think anyway. Yeah. yeah. Rob, how, how fascinating you bring this up. You have, uh, you know, in, in the UK, you have the BBC and in Canada, we have the CBC, you know, Canadian Broadcasting. And I was just reading an article from them that they expect mass resignations. And I think they're being a little bit dramatic, but mass resignations in companies and people as we pull out of this pandemic. So I say two things that I, that come up to me is I say I think the I think the competitive landscape for companies has changed, and that that as people have moved forward with the technology as you pointed out, which is quite true, that those that have made those investments will become will become more competitive, and there'll also be a lot of competition for people where those who haven't invested, almost like the technology, will have to compete on that basis. What what do you think about my thoughts in that area? Well, I, I think I think one of the challenges has been that I think business has been a bit binary about the way they view their resources, their people. So I think there's been this kind of shifting culture towards what I think is an appalling setup where it's basically bonuses and incentives and pay and the people that pay the most get the best talent. But actually, I find that for me, I find that troubling. I think that's a real short-term approach to winning that game. I mean, I was talking to someone in Google three or four years ago. So they were complaining uh, strongly about how Facebook and LinkedIn keep stealing their staff in Dublin, and they just basically are offering them more money. And that, to me, seems such a short-term way to run an economy that basically the company that pays the most gets the best people, whereas surely it should be the company that develops people the most gets the best people that provides the greatest environment or the greatest infrastructure for them to become if, if you'll forgive me sounding a bit cheesy the, the best version of themselves so I think I think I think these companies at the moment are I think that the amount of investment in learning and development is chronically poor I don't just mean it's quite bad I think it's chronically poor and even the training and development that happens is so bad in so many cases that I think Companies are not being, it's not to do with even being competitive. Companies that I think invest in those areas can be hyper profitable, hyper successful, exponential growth if they invest in their people. I just worry that the tendency has been over the years to be more systematic, more bureaucratic, following kind of box ticking exercises towards people's development, paying them money, giving them bonuses, setting KPIs, but we've lost like management and leadership are, are lost arts, I think, in many ways. I abs- absolutely agree with you. It would probably come as no surprise to you that our organization, my small company, is a, is a learning, I call we call it a learning organization, really focus on, again, the, the tools from Strategic Coach, Unique Ability. Yeah, I love that idea. Yeah, that's a great way to call it, a learning organization. Because it's uh, it thinks frequently it's about the tasks, and it's such a binary way to look at business, isn't it? Yeah, and the, and the other interesting thing that I, I came up across recently with this is that I think companies have also been not very clear about how they want their, their organizations to look going forward post the pandemic. And that, again, coming back to your, your comment about leadership, is that totally lacking and companies haven't been really clear about what they want. And I think I know I've said this to you, to the group in the workshop that I told like all of our staff back in August of last year, that they don't ever have to come back to the office. Now, clearly, we were in the height of everything at that point and not knowing what it would look like. But I felt it was important to give clarity in terms of what we're planning to do. And here it is a year plus later and everybody's working well. 
I said, well, why would I bring them back to the office? I mean, we'll come back and we'll come back in a special way. So we've come back together once a month. We'll do that. Our accountant, uh, accounting manager moved off to Germany because her family's from Germany and she's there. So she's working with us from Germany now. And so we just got off our our call. Uh, Maria is also on that call with us. And we had eight time zones represented all the way from the West Coast in Canada through to Germany. So, you know, that's just, and that's a, that's a, for a company of what, 16 people were on the screen, you know, and Mexico, Mexico included Canada, US, West Coast, and nobody from the UK, unfortunately, but we did, uh, we did from as far as Germany, we bypassed you went over there, but we just think that is normal now. We just think that's absolutely normal and everybody has a chance to function. Again, you know, I've been at work for a long time. I, I was even surprised that I could say, well, no, I don't care if everybody shows up at the office, let's all get our work done and move on. There's a, there's a trust thing there, though, isn't there, Gary, where people have to feel empowered to deliver the value that they're capable of delivering back to the business. And that if there's tough conversations to be had, they'll be had. But also that people are capable and people can improvise and people can take initiative. But I think in an office environment, people are often stymied by poor leadership, poor management, sitting on the edge of people's desks, slowing them down, over-communication. There's any number of problems that exist within that environment. And I think when you've got a dynamic, diverse kind of workforce in in the sense of diverse of location particularly, then people can work on their own terms. They don't have to fit into this old model of everyone has to trundle along every day and go and sit in a box for however many hours. And then you get this dreadful kind of, many businesses where it's like I I have to stay late to give the appearance of hard work rather than just adding value and going home when you're finished really well put I believe that if people do the things that they love to do again coming back to unique ability you don't need to manage them you just motivate them and then if everybody if it's designed one of the things we found going through all of this if your processes of how you communicate weren't very robust when you went to a virtual world then you you really found out where things broke down in your technology, all of those things. But you've, you've solved those problems and given the company you've solved those problems, you really get to see how well people are working because they're actually quite exposed because the, rea- the reality is there's no hiding. We have, we have this meeting and we'll have the 16 people up on the screen twice a week and everybody has to say what they've been working on, you know, what their positive focus was, what they've done well, what they're working on now, what they're working together. And so there's no hiding. There's no asking of questions. Everybody just says things. You kind of go, maybe that works. Maybe that just everybody feels their own pressure to be able to get things done. And I get and large organizations, it's probably more difficult to do. But every large organization also has what I'll call smaller cells and teams within that organization that to be able to make them function, maybe not too dissimilar from what a small organization does. Well, you know, a big business is, as you say, it's made up of lots of small businesses, businesses within businesses, you know, the HR business, the learning development, the operations, the marketing, the sales. These are all very focused, small teams delivering a result for the company. And I think the more we can lean into the fact that people want to do a good job rather than treating them as though they don't. Like it's almost like the minority of one where the minority that require a huge amount of management that aren't engaged we have to create all these systems and processes around them rather than having as you say just great people that are doing what they love and giving them the freedom and space to to do their work where we require much less oversight in fact as you say just encouragement and motivation so so let's come let's come to your world specifically it's been I mean, we could carry on it's been a great conversation on, on your website you mentioned new normal business area what can you tell us more what what do you mean by that what do you mean by the new normal business area yeah, it's well, it's 
it's a phrase that we've been kind of bandying around with our clients because I think there's a lot of people that were certainly viewing this pandemic as a like a pause button and like we just have to wait until it's over and then we can go back to normal and I don't think the old normal is there anymore I think the old normal is kind of gone and that's that's not a revolutionary comment I know I think most people would would agree that there's going to be some kind of blended environment moving forward but I think we've got to really focus in on is that actually our customers have found better ways of working and Customers, even if I just take a very sales-focused point, customers that previously may have put up with us turning up and doing these lunch meetings and trying to butt into their busy days and try and get them talking about products that we're selling have realized now that we don't need to be there. And I think the role that we have to play in business now is we've got to work as hard on our clients' business as we do have to on our own. And I think this... This new era, this new normal, as I see it, is going to be the companies that spend most time thinking about how they can add value for their clients will be the ones that win the game. Whereas the ones that are still in a commoditized state, going in selling products and services, I think they're going to lose because people have less time now. They've realized they don't even have to give us as much time as the providers. They can actually box us into 15-minute calls, 10-minute calls, 20-minute windows. We don't have to sit around and play small talk for an hour and a half. We can actually be managed as a provider. So I think the expectation has gone up and the time has gone down. So this new new era is going to be about value because you will always want to spend time with people that bring you value. And I think it's incumbent, certainly in my world, that I'm not viewed as a trainer or as a coach, but more as a, as a trusted advisor because I think that's where my long-term relationship will lie with my clients. It's not going to be in the provision of the service, because if that's it, then I'll be commoditized and outbid on any given week or month, and I won't be there when I really want to be there in the long term. So I think I think it's, it's going to be a massive shift towards value, and I think the people that can sell value and understand it will do well, and I think the people that are still going to just go back out into the world again with their old products, their playbooks, their services – I think they're going to find it really tough. If I can come and broaden this out a bit about providing value and wrote down working hard on the client's business. What does that mean for you now in terms of like the services that you provide? Let's just deal with with your world specifically because you want programs, you want to pull that together, but how do you work hard on the client's business to be able to deliver value for them? Well, it's for me, if I could give, I'll give a specific example. So when, when you're an outsider in a business, it's the same way that it's, it's easy when you're outside of a business to provide advice towards it. You can see the gaps. You can actually see where there are parts missing of a process. You can see where actually, if there's more cohesion, things could be improved a lot. And I think one of the areas that I feel that I can work on my client's business is by, we quite literally create sales tools for the sales team so we'll understand the gap and we'll create an actual tool that they can use to talk to their customers to improve the value and the likelihood of them getting sales and deeper relationships and that's that's not just from the outside in that's kind of like hey would it be helpful if you had a tool like x y and z and then we'll go and build it for them and then coach them on how to use it and then support the implementation of that tool whereas i think in the past i probably 
I would I would have been busy delivering the work they'd asked me to do. So I was in effect reacting to their business. But the change is when you become proactive, as in what did what do they need that they don't know they need? What problem is it that they have that they haven't identified for themselves? I think if the client knows what the problem is, then there's only an amount of value that you can bring. It's going to be like one plus one equals two. But if you can identify a problem they didn't know they had that you can solve for them, I think the value becomes much more significant. So this brings this brings me to a point that I believe you're going to be the expert on with this one, is that in the in the business to business sales strategy, how do companies go about how do they go about getting new business? That's why I'm coming back a few minutes ago. So I think people have done well because they've been able to you know, lower their costs, keep their whole business that are there, have good financial results. But I believe the competitive landscape is changing going forward, just as you've articulated. So how do we do this now? How do we, in this, we'll call it hybrid world, I know that term is going to get used a lot, but how do we how do we do this? What are you seeing for this, Rob? Uh, for me, I think this is, I think this could be nearly boiled down to one word, which I know is extremely simplistic. But for me, it's it's the word is honesty. Because I think one of the challenges that businesses never seem to address is that of being honest with their customers. And when you are honest, you are comfortable to tell the customer what your expectations are of them, and you're comfortable to hear what their expectations are of you. And when you're honest, you can approach a business and you can tell them why you're actually there instead of trying to wrap it up in some BS sales approach and using models and systems and processes, when actually I believe there's nothing more compelling than say, if I was targeting your business, Gary, for me to go to you as the CEO and say, Gary, I've, I've identified your business as being critical to the growth of my own business over the next five to 10 years. I'm super excited about the potential for growth in your business. Here are areas that I think we can add some value you may not see that value and you may have some concerns. I'd like you to tell me why you think we could and maybe why you couldn't work with me because I can see really key potential for us both. And also, without your company, I think my company is going to struggle to grow as quickly as I'd like it to as well. So what that what that tells me, Rob, is that we really need to do some work before we get in touch with people. Correct. We need We need to know what our vision is, like where we want to go who we believe that we can be most valuable to, again, what are they facing? Coming back to it, just said a little bit, identifying the gaps. I'm taking your one word and making it pretty broad. I really appreciate that. And, and then going to them and saying, you know what, this is what we've seen. This is what we've analyzed. And this is what we can do for you if this is the direction you want to go in. Is that correct, Gary? Like, If you think about how do you build trust, trust begins with honesty. Right. And trust is like that trusted advisor, that trusted partner in their business. If you're trying to build barriers with customers, uh, sorry, break down barriers with customers, you're not going to break down barriers by doing some cutesy question and answer. So tell me, you know, this whole aligning your products to their needs and all that kind of crap that that for me is out with the arc. Like that is so old now and people can see it coming a mile off. I think we need to have more confidence in ourselves and our businesses and just speak to the customer about what it is that we think we want from them and what they can do for us and how we can help them. Because even if they don't want to work with us, two things will happen, right? One, you'll get qualified out of there super fast so you're not wasting time. And two, they'll appreciate the fact that you are honest. It's a no-lose situation. 
But when you pull back on that, you spend months in protracted sales cycles trying to convince people in almost an underhanded kind of way. Whereas when you drop all the BS and you just talk to the customer as a person, because that's what we're always dealing with as a person at the end of the day, then that's disarming and it's enlightening, it's positive, it's it's all the things that I want to do with my clients. I want my clients to be honest with me. I don't care what they say to me if it's constructive because I want to grow with them. And you don't grow with people. You have a perfect relationship. You tend to have an imperfect relationship when you're going through growth. But I just want people to be open to that. And for me, it comes back to honesty every time. Yeah. Well, you know, growth always brings what we call fear, uncertainty and discomfort. So you're, you're absolutely right. If we're going to grow, it's not going to feel comfortable. But we're both going to go through it at the same time. Rob, that's, I mean, that's fantastic. I mean, I just, because I'm, I know that even in my world, beyond the coaching side of things that I do, I have a product world, and we've have to be really, really honest with everybody right now, because costs are going to, costs are skyrocketing. And we're, we're in a world where we're dealing with double digit or actually two or 300% increases in freight costs, double digit increases on probably every six months. Uh, at our end, and in an industry that's used to single-digit increases every five years. We're just uh, talking about massive change, and it's come along really quickly. We're well-connected, and we see all that. But getting the audience, our customers, to, to appreciate that requires, one, a lot of confidence at our end, but a lot of honesty that we got to go with them. And they're not, they, they're, they're not happy about this at all. But we know that six months from now, if they don't do something, they're going to be worse off. It's a, it's a, it's a very challenging time in certain, in certain areas for that. But I think you're absolutely right on the direction and you have to have that confidence. I think as well, uh, just to add to that point, I think one of the main areas of stress that I see in business owners is that their pipeline is not full enough. Like unless your pipeline is making you absolutely terrified that you land it, then there's not enough in it. And I think it needs to put stress on the business pressure on the business because without a stressful pipeline then you don't act as quickly as you need to act and i think i think that one of the biggest challenges for companies is not that they can't handle a current situation is that they're not putting enough pressure on the business from a stress point of view to make the changes they need to make so to anyone that's listened to this that is worried about the situation at the moment then that's their pipeline's not full enough a big full pipeline will fix the stress of not having business and it will create the right type of stress on the business. So I, I think it's it's at the same time as trying to manage those expectations, it's also about putting yourself under the right type of pressure to bring as many people to the table that could be excited about what you're doing, because that takes the pressure off the main thing, which is will we have enough business to keep this going? So would that be your focus for the next 12 to 24 months with your clients, getting them to really fill that pipeline up? Yeah, it's always my focus. If I look at my, my pipelines up on my wall at the moment, and if it all lands, that that's that's terrifying. <laughs> right. if, if that if that lands in the next four weeks, I'm in serious trouble, but in a good way. Like it's the kind of problem I want to solve. So it's it has to be that way. It has to be that way. Like Marina, who does most of the heavy lifting in my business, is like and that's another proposal going out. I go, yes, but like you've got to keep them going out because I want the growth in the business. And the only way to get it is by putting more pressure on the pipeline. It's, it's positive pressure, not negative pressure. So, Rob, uh, this has been a phenomenal uh, 30, almost 30 minutes with us. So just 
one last question in terms of wrapping this up and that what what advice would you give others to help them move their business or their life forward? Because this is where you spend your life. And I really appreciate the time you spent with us today. The two things, if, I, if you'll permit me two points, one is the, the four C's piece, Gary, has been really helpful. It's not that I didn't know it to be true, but understanding where I was in it was incredibly powerful and that actually the commitment's where the magic happens. And when you commit to something, then everything else starts falling into place. And until you commit, nothing happens. So that's that's been huge for me in the last year is that commitment from day one when I signed up to coach to every every decision I've made since. And then the second part is what I've learned about myself in Colby and not not necessarily like understanding where I bring value to the business and that's my job and that all the other things are not my job. But there are other people that are brilliant at those things. And if I don't engage them, then the business is just going to stand still. So the unique ability for me, for leaning into that as much as possible and really being cognizant of what I need to stop doing rather than start doing has been huge. And I say for those that are listening, what just Rob has talked about are, are the tools and concepts that can be found from Strategic Coach at strategiccoach.com. And in particular, the four C's is commitment courage, capability, and confidence. As you said, nothing happens until you commit. So Rob, thank you so much for committing to be on the podcast with me today. I know you were you were a little bit nervous about it, but that flowed brilliantly. And I really, really appreciate having you in the workshops, but also joining us here today. Delighted to be asked, Gary. Thanks so much. It's been real, really good fun as always. Nice to see you. And to our audience, thank you, Rob. And until next time.